to For the Record, and this week we're deviating from our usual format because we just got back from the annual South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, which is the biggest event of the year for music nerds like us. And if you don't know what South by Southwest is, it originated as a an event for industry insiders, and it's you know now they sell badges to run-of-the-mill people like us, but it's about 1,200 different bands converge on Austin and play at 60 or 70 venues across downtown. They turn everything into a music venue from bars to coffee houses to restaurants to churches. It's not like a big music festival where everybody's on an outdoor stage and it's bands you've heard of. It's a whole bunch of tiny little concerts happening all over downtown Austin. And if you are familiar with the festival, you're probably tired of hearing about it, but please bear with us while we try and celebrate some of the best things we saw this year. To me, there's three things about the festival that stand out. It's this chance to see up-and-coming bands who are looking for their first exposure. You also get to see international bands that maybe rarely or never are going to play the U.S. outside of the festival. And finally, you get to see some established bands, but playing on a much smaller stage than you would traditionally get to see them or in a much more intimate kind of setting. And I think this year we got a little all three of those. And in with those are part of the experience rather is that you show up early for a set and maybe you'll get to see something that you weren't expecting. And that was the case this year. In fact, the very first thing we saw on the first night, we showed up early to the Nerdcore showcase. And we were there to see a trio of three Brooklyn girls who are awesome. And they had the best band name at South by Southwest this year, which is Handjob Academy. And they were really funny. Yeah, they, they were a delight. But their opener was also great, and it was unexpected. This rapper named Tribe One out of Atlanta, and he knocked us out with this song called Kaiju, named for the Japanese word for those giant monsters like Godzilla. double hockey sticks with flames from the esophagus is impressive enough on its own and he really sold it in person yeah i I think nerdcore doesn't always get a lot of respect it can be really jokey and i think sometimes it's not as well produced it's musically maybe not as interesting i think in this case tribe one really commits to this kind of i mean making a rap about giant monsters but he sells the hell out of it and i think you hear on that recorded track the production's pretty decent these are some good beats and this is not some half-baked effort it's very entertaining and i will say that crowd went nuts about crush kill destroy everything yeah i mean most of the crowds at south by because they're here to 
see people who are up and coming that they haven't seen before are not familiar with the band half the time. And like, I'm sure most of the people there had never heard of him, but they were, he got them like singing back, you know, the shouting back the everything part in the chorus. And it was really great. Speaking of the crowd going nuts, my favorite live performers of the festival are the first band aside from X Hex, who are amazing, who have intentionally seen two sets from at South by because, you know, usually you're trying to cram in seeing everybody that you possibly can and you don't want to waste a slot on seeing a band that you've already seen. But we saw these guys at 1 a.m. at the Black Heart on Rainy Street the night before, and then they were playing a daytime set the next day, and we were like, we have to go back and see him again. And so they're an indie dance band from Brooklyn that's called Rubble Bucket. my life and i had listened to their record before austin and it i liked it but it really doesn't capture the incredible energy of the live performance they have this super charismatic front woman who also plays sax and is like climbing all over the stage and the equipment and she's just very positive in a way that could be corny but she just sells it and they've also got these horn players who are doing things like crowd surfing while continuing to play the trumpet and walking around through the crowd and it was just a really remarkable experience so that was why we had to see it a second time yeah I had not heard the album, so I came in with basically no expectations. And it was interesting for me to come back and listen to that on the album now that without all of the antics there, that these are really solidly constructed pop songs. And so as much as you said it doesn't capture, I think the music is there and it's a very solid foundation. And then it's great that that on top of that can be this very uncynical, just very positive party experience. And it's a, something that works as well at 1 a.m. or 12 hours later at 1 p.m., which is pretty much exactly what we experienced was seeing the last show of the night. And I think the second show of the day, the next day, it worked in both times. The end of the night set, the crowd was went nuts. And similarly, <laughs> that next morning, I don't know which one actually was the better environment for them. They were both great. And I, I think that the antics don't subtract from the music, but maybe distract a little bit that, that it is such a solid foundation. But I think that in this case, I think the live act distracts maybe a little from the music. I think there are other times 
where the live act helps you notice elements of the music that were there and maybe you didn't notice otherwise. And I think that was the case with this next band, The OCs. obviously heard of the OCs but we'd never seen them live and oh my gosh they had two drummers with two drum kits drumming in tandem and it was just mesmerizing to watch yeah listening to the track on the album it just feels very full and rich and I think it's not really obvious why it feels so rich and then to see them live I mean I think imagining multiple drummers is something oh we're recording multi-track you can kind of lay it down and make sure everything lines up in the in the lab you're banging in the lab but to see them live and realize no this is like one drummer with four arms they're that closely attuned in time and it's just really something exceptional to see yeah obviously live shows are great for seeing how a band puts a song together but we also got to take that to an even deeper level when we were able to sit in on a live recording of the song exploder podcast and if you're not familiar with that show the host interviews an artist in detail about all the elements of how they write and record a particular song and he'll play like each track of the recording separately so you can hear like one instrument by itself and then he'll talk about why they chose to do it that way and it's really interesting so in this particular episode they talk to will butler who's a member of the arcade fire and brother of lead singer win butler and um he talked about his song anna discussed in the song exploder other than to say that people should go check it out i'm not sure exactly when that'll be released but i imagine it was really interesting i will say that will butler is a 
just seems like a funny, genuine, nice guy, and I want to hang out with him. But yeah, this song, to hear it very constructed in that podcast, but we had just earlier seen in the live act, and I thought it didn't, it felt very organic and very loose. Yeah, it was great. And I also thought it was funny that when he performed at the Mohawk, he had a black t-shirt that said Will in big block letters, and then his three female backup singers also had shirts with their own names on them. But then when we, he, we saw him later at the Song Exploder recording, he was still wearing the same shirt, but by himself, which just was really hilarious to me. It just said, Will. Yeah, it's a good look. But no, just he was great. Like I, I long for the older Arcade Fire stuff, and I felt like he really was capturing more of that sound. And it was his whole solo album is really great. Yeah, they he was playing outside during the day on... And on this outside stage, the music's really able to stretch out. And I think it worked for this music. I think there's other music that I think can benefit from being kind of constrained into a small space. I think that was the case for this next band, Sunlux, with this song, Change Is Everything. saw this trio in the Mohawk indoor stage and this is a room that holds maybe a hundred people and it was during the day it was really hot it was packed with people and I think it was just perfect for this kind of dense music and I think amplifying the effect was that the drummer uh, was wearing this Godzilla shirt which I thought was entertaining you know ah he's wearing Godzilla shirt yay Godzilla and then totally appropriate because he had this electronic pad in addition to the drum uh, as part of the drum kit and every time he hit that, it just, this low frequency, it just felt like it was going to take the building out, thing, just going to shake apart. And it was, re- I was very glad to have earplugs in, and <laughs> it was really wonderful, though. Such a great effect. Yeah, speaking of earplugs, I always, every year I see so many young people wearing, not wearing earplugs, and listen to us old people. You need to wear earplugs because I have hearing damage now. I didn't start wearing earplugs until I was in my mid-20s, so 
Anyway, you can compare that idea of a really loud sound in a small space to the other kind of the opposite situation which is seeing Courtney Barnett perform at the outdoor stage and having her adapt a kind of intimate sound to this big space full of people and Courtney Barnett is an Australian singer-songwriter who is one of the most talked about performers in the weeks ahead of South by this year and I think that anybody who hadn't heard of her was definitely talking about her after they saw one of her sets. She has a new album that just came out and this is a song from that called Pedestrian at Best. unfortunate fact of life that a live performance especially outside especially at a festival where you're having to turn over the stage after really short sets without a lot of time to prep and sometimes the sound mix gets a little mixed you know gets a little messed up can wash out certain elements and the worst is the lyrics and in this case they're very clever very engaging and they weren't very clear at all to me and I came in not having heard the album and I just had to listen more for the instrumentals but it turns out Carney Barnett is a pretty great guitarist and the backing band also is excellent. And so just as an instrumental performance, it was pretty damn satisfying. I think though, coming and now listening to the album with the clear lyrics, I think it's uh, this talk singing is the talk singing plus a really tight backing band almost strikes me like a more earnest art brute. And that is not a bad thing. That difference between how a band sounds live and how it sounds on the record can also sort of happen by circumstance and, One thing I really noticed this year is that, so last year we saw the band Speedy Ortiz at the Pitchfork Day party, and it was outside in a park, and the sound was all messed up, and they had been really high on my list to see that year, and we were really not impressed, but then this year we saw them at a different venue, and it was indoors, and they were set up correctly, and the sound was done correctly, and they were fantastic. So something as far as circumstances interfering with the sound happened this year to the band Viet Cong which might have been a negative, but ended up actually being a positive, at least for me. So we'll hear a song from their record first, which is called Silhouettes. Yeah. 
vocals are a bit buried, which is usually a turnoff for me. But when Viet Cong when Viet Cong performed at South by their drummer had a broken hand. So not only is it the most punk rock thing ever to see a guy going nuts on the drums with one hand and then his other arm in a sling, but the reduced percussion kind of made more room for us to hear the vocals and guitar a lot more. And I thought they were great. Yeah. I hadn't heard the album and the venue was really crowded. And for a lot of it, I couldn't see the stage clearly. And I didn't see the drummer didn't realize that he was, you know, had the arm in a sling and, from the sound, I didn't feel like anything was myth missing. And I think that that is a testament to the skill of the drummer and of the band that they're able to roll with it and still end up with a very polished sound that sounds like, hey, we meant to do this. I think a very different band we saw actually at that same venue and with a very different kind of polish is always. And for you playing at home, that's two V's instead of the W. And, you know, I'd heard this album and it has a very produced prettiness and their self-titled debut does cover a range uh, from sunny pop to some more melancholy, uh, excuse me, melancholy territory that we hear in this song, Party Police. this record but i like them even more live and i actually thought i was going to have to drag you to the set because it's really not your sort of thing but i was very surprised by how much you liked them yeah that makes two of us you had i think played a fair bit of the album for me and i thought oh it's pretty but i think it it may be overproduced and i think it makes the band sound more generic Mm -hmm. and to see them live without that layer of production it really struck me that this lead singer has a special voice and I don't think that comes across on the album and it just is especially powerful on some of these more darker shaded songs like the one we just heard. And in addition to that, you get to see her belting with that voice and she's a really solid guitarist. I think the rest of the band is maybe better, but with that voice and a good guitar work is very impressive (laughs) and that's what's really surprising to me is that people have asked me after the festival like wow what did you see that really impressed you and i say always like this is the performance that's sticking with me and as much as they might be a band that was already on a lot of people's radar they weren't for me and coming out of that performance they are a band for me to watch going forward so thank you for dragging me (laughs) you're welcome So we talked about what makes South by Southwest unique is that spirit of discovery and the ability to go outside your comfort zone and see music that you normally wouldn't have the chance to see. And actually, I think we checked that box the most by, uh, we won't play it, but Tanya Tagak, who's an Inuit throat singer, and she does this 
totally bizarre. I would classify it more as performance art than music, but like that was definitely outside my comfort zone and something that we would never normally go to see. Yeah, I am very glad. I think it was a good call not to subject people. But if you're really interested, (laughs) you can seek this out. But it is that is from another planet. (laughs) But another thing that you don't normally have the chance to see is small bands from other countries that may never tour the U.S. And so for the last set of the festival, which is the 1 a.m. slot on Saturday night, we decided to go to this little Irish pub and see a three-piece band from Italy called Tiger, shit, Tiger, Tiger, with exclamation points after each word. And I actually, the reason that I listened to them, even in the South by Mix, was because of the weird name, but I didn't get the joke. And I didn't realize it until Brock Winstead pointed it out to me that that's a Apocalypse Now reference, so... Thank you, Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so we it was so fantastic getting to see this band. It was a small venue, which couldn't fit a lot of people, but it was a very enthusiastic crowd. And they were just completely charming and very rocking. Just this set of jangly, melodic garage rock. And alongside it, even though it was an Irish pub and a fairly kind of generic one at that, it felt very mass produced. This band did not feel mass produced. They got some serious rock star moves going, climbing up and playing the guitar sort of angled up above his head, almost on top of this railing. And then in the finale, swinging his guitar around over his head and really close to this uh, ceiling fan. Everyone in the crowd (laughs) was just wondering when that guitar was going to hit that fan, but it didn't happen. So it just added to the drama and it just, for me, that combination of factors, this this total rock star moves out of this little band from Italy in an Irish pub was just a fantastic way to close the festival. And so I think it's a fantastic way to close our podcast. We'll leave you with this track from their latest album. The song is called Golden Age. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.